This is a Career Channel program from UC San Diego Extension. Visit us at uctv.tv slash careers for videos, employment news, and trend articles to help recent college graduates and those in career transition bridge to better employment. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Pulse, Issues in Healthcare. This is the podcast where healthcare leaders share their thoughts on a wide variety of topics affecting healthcare today. I'm Leslie Bruce, your host and Director of Healthcare Leadership and Community Outreach for UC San Diego Extension. With me today is State Assemblyman Brian Mainshine, who represents the 77th District in San Diego, which covers Claremont, Kearney Mesa, Tierra Santa, all the way north to Rancho Santa Fe, the Del Dios Highway, Rancho Bernardo, and uh, west to the northern beach cities just east of I-5. Welcome, Assemblyman Mainshine. Thanks, Leslie. It's great to be Assemblyman Mainchine was elected to the Assembly in 2012 and re-elected in 2014 and 16. Very popular vote, actually. He has served as the Vice Chair of the Assembly Health Committee for several years and is also a member of the Assembly Human Services Committee. So let's start there. I know it's really, really early in the legislative session, but given the efforts at the federal level to repeal the Affordable Care Act, California stands to lose an estimated 20 to $40 billion for health care services. What do you see the health committee doing first off um, when it comes to this problem? This is going to be a very interesting and exciting year because we are going to be responding to what happens at the federal level. Um, is the ACA entirely repealed? Is it repealed in part? What is going to come in at the federal level to replace that? And I think right now, you know, as you and I are sitting here talking, that's all of this is is a work in progress. There isn't really a, a, a tremendous uh, clarity as to what's going to end up coming out of Washington, D.C. So we here in California are going to need to be able to respond to that. Right. I suppose in a very nimble fashion because it's uh, it's a, a lot of money to have to shore up. You're right. I mean, the, the federal dollars here are tremendous. Mm-hmm. And California has, you know, California has the highest poverty rate in the country. And mm-hmm. so Boy, this I bet is... a lot of people don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, this is this is very significant the amount of funding that's that's at stake here for California, mm-hmm. and and we're going to have to work very closely, uh, not just a, not just in a bipartisan way mm-hmm. at the state level, but r- with people uh, with the Congress uh, and with the president's administration in Washington D.C. Absolutely, I think the amount of cooperation you're talking about, you know, which is not uh, famous in these times. But that kind of cooperation, I think, will be really critical um, and perhaps not done so much in the past. I, I agree with you. And I, you know, just personally, in my career, I've been somebody who's really taken a lot of effort and, and been successful in working across the aisle. I really do feel that Republicans and Democrats do well when they work together. Uh, and both of us were elected to, to come to Sacramento and do well by the people of California. And I do, unfortunately, you look at what's happening at the national level, I think that's lost there. I think they spend too much of their time bickering and you can't support an idea if the other party has it. Mm-hmm. The reality is there's plenty of good ideas that Democrats have and plenty of good ideas Republicans have and plenty of areas where Democrats and Republicans can compromise and come up with something good. We've done that at the state level mm-hmm. uh, and had some successes. I'm sure you're probably going to get into some of it later. Yeah. But um, we, we've, I think we've started and set a good example as to some of the things we can do in a bipartisan way. I'm excited about it. 
Well, that's wonderful. I think that's very heartening for people to hear right now, too, that there is a level of cooperation that we can look somewhere and see it working. I agree. And, you know, the unfortunate thing that I think happens, and again, taking the kind of the current situation at the national level, uh, uh, putting that aside for a second, what I've noticed even at the state level is, you know, the media oftentimes wants to focus on what's in conflict. Right. The reality is on the overwhelming majority of the issues, we work very well together. Mm-hmm. Probably 90% plus of the issues. That's but heartening. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. But that's not what the media wants to talk about. They want to talk about a couple issues, one or two issues or one or two times where there was conflict. It's just not really an accurate picture of what is is really happening, the, at it, least at the state level. You bring to mind that commercial, we are more alike than unalike. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people forget that. So I appreciate your bringing that up. Um, I know that, you know, the health committee has other priorities that, of course, they've had for a while, and you've been on the committee for a while, that might, you know, while you're waiting to see what happens with the ACA, what other kinds of priorities do you think the committee will have? It'll be varied. There's, it's, it's a great committee. It's an important committee. Uh, there's a lot of really smart and good people on it. Um, and, I, and so people kind of bring their own, what their own areas of interest are, where their own expertise is. For me personally, uh, I'm very interested in, in homelessness and mental health issues. Those are kind of probably going to be some of the issues that I pursue. Uh-huh. But there will be a wide variety. I mean, it's incredible the amount of issues that come under the umbrella of, of health. And that's why it's if not the most important, maybe not. I'll give you that. Pretty close it's right. to it's yeah. pretty close to the most important. I, I hear you. Well, I did notice that a couple of hearings were scheduled for the health committee. One being um, the rising, the impact of rising drug costs. Yeah. Interestingly, they were looking at it on on the payers. You know what the impact on the payers is. Um, and I also saw cannabis regulation. Mm-hmm. Are either of those something that you're? Um, Those are going to, yeah, I mean, those are going to be very big issues this year. Um, Clearly with the voters passing, uh, legalizing marijuana sales in California, the the issue of how is that regulated? How is that taxed? Mm -hmm. Those are, those are huge issues. And so that will come before our committee. It'd be very interesting to see how, you know, that goes through uh, the process. So I think that's going to be a significant issue. And, and yes, no question, you know, the cost of the cost of drugs, the cost to the system, mm-hmm. um, what it means for pharmaceutical companies um, and drug companies, what it means for insurance companies, what it means for the consumer. All these issues come together there, uh, and there's a huge impact. So that will also be uh, a hot topic this year. Gotcha. I think it certainly will, too. I have students actually doing final projects on that and the cannabis um, regulation issue. So that'll be very well, interesting. Well, let me take a look at them. So All right. Maybe, maybe you got it. They would, they would love to share them and they will do the research for you. It's good, quite amazing. Good. good. Um, so, we, you know, what are you particularly interested in? You mentioned homelessness and I'm going to get into that a bit later. Are, are there any other um, health issues that you're particularly um, focused on this for this term? Yes, uh, mental health is a passion of mine. It's a it's a significant issue. It has been you know really candidly ignored for a long time. It's complicated. I you know I I, I understand why sometimes it's complicated, uh, but I've been a real champion of that and mm-hmm. and worked to to move the ball forward on how we treat mental health because if you look at some of these other issues, homelessness being a good example, there's a huge intersection between mental health and homelessness. I, I worked with uh, I was the homeless commissioner here in San Diego for for a number of years and and if you look at the chronic homeless population, you know, pretty close to 100% of them had a mental health issue of some kind. Right. So you really can't get to the 
homeless part yes. of the problem without addressing the mental health part of the problem. Mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right, and I think that's very interesting. Are you um, um, a person that believes that that the best way to approach um, homeless individuals is to provide the housing first so they can get that mental health um, services that they need? Is that the, yeah. are you in sync with that approach? I, I am, I'm in sync with the approach that would have housing plus ah, services. Right, Got it. not Be, just housing. Yeah, right because ever. I think you, you really need both because I, one without the other isn't enough. And oftentimes, again, in the past, we've kind of seen one without the other. You've got to do both. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they need a place to stay because mm-hmm. you have to have a place to stay to start dealing with the problems that you have. At the same time, if you don't have those services available without the mental health treatment, without drug and alcohol treatment, without that, these people aren't going to be able to, to stay in housing for an extended period of time. Right, right. Are you familiar with the Family Health Center's um, downtown homeless shelter that has the programs and the clinic on the yeah. bottom floor and all of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a very innovative approach it that is. I'm hoping that we can. I don't know, maybe you know about finding funding, being able to do more of that. Agreed. I mean, it, that's it, it's a great way if to to address the issue. Mm-hmm. And of course, funding is always an issue and finding enough for it. But it's it's beyond just funding. Funding is part of it, but mm-hmm. it's actually having an approach that will succeed and is worth funding right. um, is is critical. Um, I'm going to get back to homelessness in a minute, but I want to stay with the Assembly Health Committee for just another sure. minute because I know you had a dozen or so bills passed last year. So that is um, quite an achievement. And so I wanted to get you to share a couple of examples of those that are related to health. Yeah, one of them um, that I was very proud of was... Um, when I, when I was working on homelessness here in San Diego County, one thing that I was successful in doing was getting the city to work with the county and work with the nonprofit community. Mm. And it was very difficult and very complicated. So when I went up to Sacramento, one thing that I wanted to do was find a way to make it easier for cities and counties and the nonprofit community to come together on the issue of homelessness. Mm. Now, What works in San Diego may not be the same thing that works in Los Angeles or San Francisco or Fresno or Bakersfield or some rural uh, area in the most northern part of California. They're going to be different. Mm -hmm. But what I wanted to do was provide a vehicle for each of those communities to say, in our community, it's the city, it's the county, and it's this nonprofit group. Okay. In Fresno, say. But in Bakersfield, it's a totally different group of nonprofits. There's certainly, California-wide, there's not a one-size-fits-all. So I passed a bill that really, um, I think, was a pretty fundamental game-changer that would allow the formation of JPAs, Joint Power Authorities, mm. between nonpro- the nonprofit community and local government. So what they could do is actually have a board that could vote on the the narrow issue of homelessness, but it would allow these partnerships to develop and actually get out there and solve um, 
solve homelessness in their community. And that, I was very pleased that I was able to get that passed. And I think it's a, I really do think it's a game changer or, or could be a game changer for how California deals with homelessness. And now was that, would you consider that a human services or a health? I think it's both. Okay. Because there's no It question. certainly does have aspects of both. Uh, yeah. I just wondered which committee it went through uh, first. Good question. <laughs> oh, well, it's I not I think important. it's probably both. I, I, I think yeah, it, policy I think wonks both. care about yeah. these things, but probably nobody else. Yeah. <laughs> Don't it, worry. The, the good news is it got it got through the committees and it got uh, yeah. through the assembly and the senate and it got signed by the governor so ultimately right 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 it, it made yeah. it it made it to where it needed to go well it does sound like it'll have a, a, a positive impact um because that coordination is often um lacking yeah. and difficult to resolve it is you know it so is. i appreciate that um you know a couple of the other things that i was looking at you know the surprise medical bills that yeah. people were getting can you tell us about that yeah so that was an issue that had plagued uh, this state for a long time. And surprise medical bills are when the consumer goes in for a medical procedure of some kind. So, so let's say a surgery. Unbeknownst to them, the anesthesiologist or one of the one of the healthcare providers participating in their um, surgery and their care isn't covered on their network. So they get home and 30 days later, they get a bill for $10,000 or $12,000 or even more. Mm-hmm. And they had no idea that, that the guy was out of network. The guy was out of network. Right. And so um, it's it's been a conflict. It's never been. It hasn't been solved. They've been trying to solve it um, for over thirty years. The insurers have an issue. The consumers have an issue. The doctors, every all these different groups that are fighting, and they could never come together and compromise. So I uh, was one of the members. We we got Republicans and Democrats. We got insurers and doctors and consumer groups got everybody together and we pounded out an agreement that um, for the first time now we eliminated the surprise billing. We got a compromise between all the groups. And at the end of the day, all those interest groups, consumer groups, the, the, the health care providers, insurers, um, Republicans, Democrats, and the governor all came, to a, all came to an agreement. And to get back to what you were earlier asking about, a great example of people coming together cooperating to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. And it was great that we had Republicans involved. It was great that we had Democrats involved. It was great we had the governor's office involved. Because of the involvement of all those groups, we were able to come to a compromise that worked for everyone. And ultimately, the real winners in all that were the consumers. Mm -hmm. Because they won't get surprised built. Right, exactly. And, and I appreciated the fact that that really was a consumer-focused bill. It was. It wasn't trying to please one particular other stakeholder. It was really about the consumer. You're exactly right. And tell us about the sudden cardiac arrest that you did for student athletes. Yeah. The, the so, legislation. So I was approached, there was a group, there was a, 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 a young man named Eric Paredes who had, um, uh, he was a high school kid, a good athlete in great shape, um, and had sudden cardiac arrest and died. Mm-hmm. And um, the, his family created a foundation that wanted to start testing kids in school. And so we were able to pass a bill that would allow for that, that um, if you were to participate in high school sports, you had to undergo uh, a test that showed whether you were susceptible to sudden cardiac arrest. Because, of course, the problem is when we all look at teenagers, you know, to all of us who are older, mm-hmm. well, me, maybe me, not you, I don't oh, know. No, but, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. But in any event, you know, we look at teenagers, I think, as just being in perfect shape and, you know, nothing could possibly go wrong. They're young invincible. and fit and invincible and thin and everything's 
but the, but the reality is some of them have conditions, a small percentage of them have conditions. So now um, we, we're testing them before they go into high school sports, and uh, we anticipate that's going to save quite, quite a few lives. So I was very excited about that. I can certainly understand that, especially when you have such a, a poignant local example. Exactly. Um, that really puts a face on the problem. Um, you know, I'm sure this isn't a sexy topic, but I wondered if you could just summarize it for us. The Medi-Cal organization financing reform? Yeah. So it's a, that's, that was the single most complicated issue I've worked on in the legislature. I believe you. Uh, and it was a, probably the biggest success story, at least of my time in office, that the California legislature as a whole has had. I will, I will give you kind of the, it's very complicated, but I'll give you kind of the Cliff Notes version. With the advent of the ACA, the Obama administration changed the rules as to how state governments would be reimbursed for Medi-Cal. Mm-hmm. So what had happened before was essentially the, insurer, the insurers for the Medi-Cal program were taxed, but it was passed through by a reimbursement to the federal government federal government kind of changed those rules. So what ended up happening was there was a, uh, over $1 billion, about $1.3 billion in federal funding that was at stake because the federal government said, California, you're not complying with these new rules. Yeah. And so it was at an impasse because kind of the Democrats couldn't solve it, the Republicans couldn't solve it, the governor couldn't solve it. And so we, I was the leader on the Republican side. We sat down, we had a leader on the Democratic side uh, and then the governor's office, and we pounded out uh, a really effective resolution to it that as an end result of all of this was not only because we agreed, because we got Republicans, Democrats, the Brown administration to agree, because we got, again, the litany of organizations that we had to get um, also to, it was helpful anyway, to get their support. We put all that together. The end result of it was the state of California got the $1.3 billion. We complied with the new regulations. The state, so the state of California got $1.3 billion that it wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Um, there was actually about a $300 million tax cut. Mm-hmm. So there was that. And we were able to get for the developmentally disabled community, which was one of the things that was very important to me that we got as a part of this, we got about 300 to $400 million in funding set aside for them. Wow. So it's a huge wow. win. Yeah. And again, to go back to what I said earlier, it wouldn't have happened without the very good input of the Democrats, the Republicans, and the Brown administration. It was a great example of people rolling up their sleeves, getting to work, doing what all of those people's voters sent them there to do. Right. And, and it was a huge success story. And as, and as a further aside, you know, to go to kind of what we were saying earlier, not a huge amount of publicity on it. Yeah, I'm Go sure. figure, because it was actually solving a problem. It was working together. No one really, the media didn't seem to be very interested in that. And if you think about it, you, this was a huge, huge, important issue. This was one I was going to say, my goodness. billion dollars right. that we could have, as a state, lost. lost. But instead, we got it. And, you know, the media didn't seem very interested in, uh, in really making people know what had happened. That was really, really good news. That is fantastic. And, uh, you know, it doesn't fit in a soundbite either. It doesn't and, fit in a soundbite. And I'm sure that's part of the problem. I agree. And, you know, the media doesn't really get into, the, you know, the depth that, that even we've done just here. I agree. It's very so complicated. It is. Exactly right. Well, um, 
an related topic, as you are undoubtedly aware, studies by the OECD um, show that America spends far more in healthcare services, on healthcare services than other developed countries, but considerably less on social services. Um, that actually, and those are the social services that keep people well. So you're both on the health and the human services committees. Do you look at this, the you know, the balance between um, health and human services, and do you see any opportunities? I know I'm catching you on the fly here, mm-hmm. but to to create a, a little better equilibrium. Yes, I, I think it's important because the cost, you know, the cost of prevention is so much less. Exactly. Than the cost of trying to cure it at the tail end. And for a lot of these, we've taken a look at it, for example, I'll give you a good example, on diabetes. You know, if you can prevent somebody from getting diabetes, obviously the cost to the system are huge. Mm-hmm. We, we talk about it in terms of tobacco use. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody not smoking, keep, some, keeping somebody from smoking is much cheaper than having them smoke and having the healthcare costs that that's going to lead over time. So yes, uh, it's something that I've focused on. It's something, frankly, that and, and to give you know, the health committee credit, the, and really the entire health committee is focused on this, I think, in some very positive ways. Certainly not on every topic. Mm-hmm. There's more that needs to be done, but I think there's some good, uh, I, I think there's a, a knowledge, there, there's, there's a belief from the majority of the committee that this is, this is very significant if we're going to keep health care costs down long term. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Um, I, I do think it's important also. I think we have, we can, this is something we can actually learn from other countries. Um, and um, California being the pioneer that it is, I figure why not here and why not you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I'm going to go back to homelessness for a minute. You mentioned that you served as San Diego's first commissioner on homelessness. How do you think we're doing? Not well. I would say not, not particularly well right now. Uh, I think it's a, it's a, you know, frankly, it's a nationwide issue. It's certainly mm-hmm. a statewide issue. San Diego has some unique challenges. And, you know, the program that I created, Project 25, was immensely successful. Mm-hmm. And, tell tell uh, the listeners what that was. So what I was able to do was, and again, it's complicated. I'll kind of try to condense it down. Right. But um, I took the most uh, expensive to taxpayers, most amongst a chronically homeless population. People that are going to the emergency room, you know, 200 times a year. We're very, very costly in the system. Very long-term homeless. 99.9%, if not 100% of them, had pretty severe mental illness. A lot of them had accompanying issues, drug and alcohol abuse, other issues. Was able to get them into housing and services uh, and working in partnership with the city and the county. I was able, uh, and, and the United Way, we got them in housing and services and uh, reduced the cost significantly. went from $12 million the first year down to about $7 million just in one year and ended their That's homelessness. Amazing. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, you know, that uh, I, I would like to see that program emulated throughout the state. I think mm-hmm. it's hugely successful. We showed it. We collected the data. So you've done the pilot. It's now time to... It's spread more it, it across the state. And yeah. I hope it does happen. And in okay. San Diego, as of now, um, you know, I left and went to the legislature, and I think it, you know, there, there was kind of a vacuum there. There wasn't anybody, it didn't seem like mm-hmm. there was a lot of real focus on the issue. And, you know, let me say, too, there are a lot of great organizations in our region that work on this issue and, and don't get the thanks and kind of the credit they deserve. Alpha Project, Father Joe's, Rescue Mission, you go down the line. Um, 
and there's a lot of them that do phenomenal work uh, and we're lucky to have them but but having said that this is a, a real and growing challenge mm-hmm. that unless there's sort of more uh, laser like focus on it and more policy driven focus on it uh, I'm concerned that it's going to continue to grow mm. that's unfortunate I, I, if do you have any thoughts about what should be done locally other than, you know, increasing the focus? I know there there was a new person hired mm-hmm. to do that. Is there anything that you think that we should be doing that we're not doing? Well, I'd like to see Project 25 be Project huh. 225 or mm-hmm. 325. Uh, I think that's one area. Um, and I think you, you, there's not a silver bullet to homelessness. There's mm-hmm. not going to be one piece of legislation that fixes all this because again it's too complicated whether it's mental health whether it's housing affordability uh whether it's the economic you know, are, are there jobs mm-hmm. you know are there enough jobs are there enough lower income jobs are there enough middle class jobs we don't build anything in california we don't have factories in california right um that's a big issue mm-hmm. uh you look at the regulation to build housing look at the regulations to build even a homeless shelter and one of the bills i got passed was streamlining the process for permanent supportive housing well i was proud of that it's helpful Mm -hmm. but there's more that needs to be done there too so all of these things i think i think people need to get away from this thought that there's a silver bullet out there there's not okay but there's ways to take little bites at it that would improve it okay well you mentioned um the your efforts that you took from the city and from your commissioner roles to the legislature and continued your advocacy for the state's homeless population by co-authoring the Veterans Housing and Homeless Prevention Act of 2014 and many other measures aimed at serving those individuals. And you also serve on the Assembly Select Committee on Homelessness. What are they doing? What what kinds of things are they looking at? Well, the, the bond issue you talked about is- significant was significant you know it's it's providing the funding uh to build more housing for those affected by homelessness that's important but again it's not going to be solved on just that that's a housing component of it's it's part of it Mm -hmm. um but without addressing other issues like mental health without addressing other issues like um regulatory reform it's been very difficult to get regulatory reform through the through the assembly and through the senate and without that if you make it extremely complicated and extremely costly to build Mm. housing for the homeless not surprisingly you're going to have fewer units of it if you make it cheaper and easier to do you can make more people willing to to actually do that so the, again, the, I think the committee, select committees are different. You know, when you say that kind of specifically, what are they doing? Select committees are different because they're not exactly standing committees. They're, right. In essence, they're committees that are going to kind of study it and 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 show maybe what the problem is or where the problem is. I think on the homelessness issue, people are pretty clear as to what the problem is and where it is. Okay. It's it's, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere in this state. It's mm-hmm. certainly the bigger cities have it. You know, San Francisco has a huge problem. Um, huge, huge problem. Los Angeles, huge problem. Um, so, but really, it's a. It, this is something that kind of doesn't discriminate. I mean, even in the, you go into more rural areas in our in our state, uh, it's a it's a it's a, it's a growing problem there. And sometimes, kind of for the first time, being visible in some of these other areas, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be helpful because I think it's going to make legislators that maybe normally didn't care about homelessness start caring a little bit. Right, they get to the pain point where they, you yeah. know, it's now on their radar. Yeah, exactly. Um, what I. W- 
would also like to do is talk a little bit about your, you know, your career and your experience. I mean, we've talked about all these issues. I mean, how did you, whatever even prompted you to run for office? Yeah, you know, I, um, I didn't have kind of a conventional sort of way of going there. I just was somebody who had, I'd grown up in my community. I grew up, uh, you know, local kid, went to elementary, middle and high school in my district and wanted it to be a nice place for my, hopefully my kids to have their kids and sure, raise sure. my family there. And, and I was concerned a little bit about the direction I was heading in and just kind of out of the blue decided to run for San Diego City Council. I was fortunate enough to win mm-hmm. um, and got a lot done in my time there. We got State Route 56 finished. I preserved 10,000 acres from development up in the San Pasqual Valley. I had two fires that went through my communities where we rebuilt two communities. Did a lot of other that things. Was huge. It was huge. It was huge. Really kind of life-changing what, mm-hmm. what happened there. And, um, and so I really saw the good that I felt that you know, if you cared about your community and what you could do. And so um, I, I was, I left, when I left the city council, I wasn't sure if I was ever going to run for office again. I loved the work I was doing with the homeless. Um, but eventually I thought that, you know, I think I could do a little bit more. If mm-hmm. I was a state assembly member, I could do a little bit more on the issues that I care about. So I decided to run for the state assembly. I was fortunate enough to win and, mm-hmm. and have been reelected now and a couple of times and, and uh, am really enjoying it and feel it's rewarding and, and feel I'm, representing my my constituents well up there. What do you like most about it, about being an elected official? I'm sure it's the commute, right? Yeah, I love the commute. I love all the time I spend on Southwest. The <laughs> peanuts are great, yeah. the ginger ale. Not uh, to mention the pretzels. The pretzels are phenomenal. Um, you know what's bad when the flight attendants recognize you. You know you're flying too much when they know your name. That's I've, I've learned that's probably a problem. But the flying is probably the worst part about it. Uh, but the best part about it is really being in a position to to get things done and, mm-hmm. and to make change and and hopefully be you know I, I I really do can you know think about setting an example of working with people to solve a problem mm-hmm. not being partisan not thinking people who may not start with the same opinion I have are bad people mm-hmm. um, but thinking these are all, all of us should work together to try to make a better quality of life for people that we represent. Well, I think that's a terrific point of view that I, I hope, well, it seems like with the amount of things that you're getting done collaboratively that you're finding um, kindred souls for that. Yeah. Um, I, I wondered, you know, that with, we're in such a, um, a split time and other people are thinking that they might run for office. What advice would you give to somebody mm-hmm. who's thinking of running for office? I think the biggest thing would be seeing what it really is. You know, vo- you, you can volunteer in somebody's office. It's it's nothing like what they see on TV. You know, it's <laughs> not it's not House of Cards. It's not oh thank God back in the day West Wing or some of these other shows. It's I mean it's not it's really not overly glamorous. It's not you know you don't get to work on you know exciting issues all the time, huge national issues all the time. In fact, just the opposite. It's really a lot of hard work, grunt work, what really goes into work. it, constituent work. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of when you're at, at the city, and I, I love this part of the job, but, you know, it is filling potholes and doing those things. And I think of people, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who kind of think like, oh, it, what they think it is and what it really is, is I think there's a pretty pretty broad delta a lot of the time. I believe you. Um, I, I think that's absolutely right. I think that this idea of being able to volunteer in an office is a good way to road test what they think is their passion. So I think that's a good idea. So you might get some uh, volunteers. Yeah, good, you never good, know. You good. never know. 
Anyway, I want to thank you. This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you for being here. I want to thank our listeners who can send me an email at lkbruce at ucsd.edu with any suggestions you have for potential guests for the show. And for now, this is Leslie Bruce saying here's to your health.